Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. I guess I'm finally realizing that even though the Steelers was the league's last lone unbeaten at 11-0, every single week in Key's real rankings, he refused to put them at number one, and Key obviously <laughs> knew something that the rest of us just found out. So who is the biggest threat? Who is the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in their AFC dominance? Many people think it's one of the two teams that played last night. Buffalo and Pittsburgh. The standings at the moment say it's Pittsburgh, but the momentum says it's likely Buffalo. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including Paul Feinbaum, to talk a crazy weekend in college football. We've been NFL heavy as we are every Monday, but he is here to talk about the coaching carousel at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. So who's the biggest threat to the Chiefs? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Fellas, before we get to the fellas, you answer the question. Biggest threat to KC is... I don't know, man. You don't know. It, 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 it looked like it looked like it might be Buffalo, but I don't know that Buffalo can score like Kansas City. I, I, you know, it could be Buff, but I don't know that Buffalo can score like Kansas City. Kansas City, it's like they remind me of the Golden State Warriors in basketball, Loyola Marymount basketball. Remember this Zubin, the old Houston Cougars. Oh the yeah, run and shoot. Oh yeah, just, yeah. Just like David Klingler and in in that Andre group, Ware. Yeah. Andre Ware, like just putting points up on the board. That's crazy. I, I don't I don't know if anybody in, within the conference can match them like that. I, I would have to say, look, I I think it's the Buffalo Bills. The one thing I do know about the Chiefs, they can score in in quick hits. They are the most talented team there is in the NFL but they allow you to hang around games. I mean, look at the game the other day against the Dolphins. It's a prime example. They're up 30 to 10, okay? And they allowed them to get back into the ballgame. We've seen this happen a multitude of times, okay, where sometimes they play down to the level of their competition. I, I think the Bills do have the ability to, because of the way Josh Allen is playing, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, they have the power to do that. I think the Dolphins could potentially do that if they get there. I also – I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to sound crazy key, and I know you're probably going to di- disagree with me, but because of the way they play and because of the way they showed me in their game last weekend, we'll see how they play tonight. But the Browns do have the pieces to potentially do this now. Now, I'm not saying they're ha- as a high-octane offensive system as uh, we saw what the Bills had, but with the way they run the ball, with Chubbs, with Hunt, with the way they play, a Baker's playing on top of his game with Jarvis Landry, with Hooper, Hooper, the pieces that they have, they do have the pieces to compete. You you mentioned something, Jay. You said that Kansas City likes to have people hang around, right? Yeah. And, and you see that with your eyes. That's what it tells you, right? Plus, you look at the stat line. In the stat line, the box scores kind of tell you that they l- allow people to hang around, right? So, yes. you know they won a Super Bowl last year, right? Obviously. I understand. Yeah, I understand. They let people hang around last year. In 2019, in 2019, they won five games by six or fewer points. And in 2020, they've won six games by the same margin, six or fewer. They only won five games. No, they won seven games last year by a touchdown or more. So when you start to look at it, it it, it tells you that, but – 
they don't really blow people out. They what happens is, like we saw in the playoffs, is they get down and they just turn the switch on. Oh, we're gonna stop playing with you. Boom. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's 42-31 or some weird something like that. It was yeah, like 24 to nothing with the Texans last year, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden you look up and it's a blowout. It's like this weekend I was talking to my longtime sports agent in Arkansas. I think we're up on Alabama three to nothing. I said, man, I told him, I said, man, call me back in the beginning of the third quarter because that's what it is. You know, it's like they can turn on the switch at any given moment. I understand that key, but you can also play devil's advocate. What happens if they catch them in a game where that switch doesn't turn on? Right. And I know you can say that for a lot of teams and I understand that it is theirs to lose. Like, I, I really do feel it is theirs to lose. But for some chance that the switch doesn't turn on, look, James Steele is one of our producers. We talk about this all the time, right? You always get worried about it because they do allow games to be close. If you do have a game where that switch doesn't turn on, you can have a scenario in which they lose. It's he's a, he's, Hey, Jay, he's a producer. He's always worried. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. By the you know way. what I mean, though, right, Zubin? That makes sense to a degree. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it makes sense. No question. By the way, Key, Alabama 52, Arkansas 3. So oh, you, were, you didn't have to wait till the third quarter. Because <laughs> hey, he was, hey, look, Zubin, he was going, he was like, oh, Arkansas going to give them a run for their money. I'm telling you, look, they already up on them. I was like, call me the third quarter, man. There's no doubt about it. We'll, again, talk college football with Paul Feinbaum, the greatness of the tide, coming up at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. We're asking this morning on the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation, who's the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? I was sifting through some of the responses. Some people have been saying the Chiefs, it's a trick question. If they just continue to play the way they are, nobody can stop them. But, fellas, how about at McQueen Trade 23? He hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed this morning. Quote, Browns, because they can run the ball on anybody and pass rush, and that travels everywhere. Key's favorite word, portable. It travels everywhere when the weather gets mm. bad. Can you do something no matter what the precipitation is? Browns-Ravens tonight on ESPN. If you're wondering, Cleveland has about a 3.8% chance to win the division. Division dreaming, not so much there. Pittsburgh a game and a half up on them. I should mention they will meet again in Week 17 for what it is worth. Fellas, just want to give you a quick little note from the NBA because I know you guys love the league. Eight days away from opening day. We'll hear from Baker Mayfield. Key's conversation with him in just a couple of moments. But fellas, weigh in on this. Ramona Shelburne and Woj reporting this morning on ESPN.com. Actually, just seconds ago, you could find the article on your phone online. The arrival of John Wall has left James Harden unmoved and uninterested in pursuing a new partnership, and he still is pushing the Rockets to deal him. Sources telling both Ramona and Woj. Jay, they tried to make a big move. They lost Daryl Morey, but his successor swung for the fences just like Daryl, but it appears as though Harden is unimpressed. Look, the first day when we heard about this news, I said, James Harden does not want to be a Houston Rocket. That didn't just come from me, Okay. I'm not saying who it came from, but it didn't come from me. Who did it come from, I know for a fact, Key, that he does not want to be there. Now, and the only reason I say that, and I gave you a couple of different scenarios, Key, where I said, you know, you're a star player in the NBA, and I know the NBA is different than the NFL, but star player anywhere, okay? And look at the way the situation went down with LeBron James. Hey, Jenny Buss, Rob Palenka, they want to make moves? Before we make moves, we have to talk this through with LeBron James. Hey, Milwaukee Bucks, Mark Lazary, look at all their ownership. Look at their GM, John Horse. We want to make moves. 
Let's talk to Giannis about what moves we want to make. Hey, Steve Ballmer, the Clippers, we want to make moves. Okay, we want to change up the coach. We don't want Doc Rivers here anymore. Hey, Kawhi, hey, PG, do you sign off on it? Do you feel comfortable? That situation was not handled properly in Houston. They did not consult James Harden before they removed their coach, Mike D'Antoni, before they removed their GM, Daryl Morey, with Raphael Stone, and for a first-year head coach, first-year head coach. I know he's, a, he's an OG. He's been around the block for a long time, but first year actually in the head coaching seat. Why would James Harden want to be there anymore? And John Wall will be cool. He'll be cool with John Wall. John Wall is my boy. John Wall can go. But if you're James Harden, you want to go to a scenario in which you can win, and you can do that easier and faster if you can get east. If that could be Philly, if that could be Brooklyn, if that could be the Bucks. He's opened up this trade scenario, but he wants to be out, and he will be out before it's all said and done. What I always say, Zubin, when a player says he doesn't want to be there, it's there's gone. nothing you can do to keep him. So sooner rather than later, it appears Harden will be playing somewhere else. Will he be getting his mail in Brooklyn, Philly, or elsewhere? It certainly doesn't seem it's going to be Houston. Again, the NBA opens its doors regular season eight days away. It's the biggest story in the sport, and we're following it this morning. Again, you can check out the piece with Ramona and Adrian on ESPN.com right now. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Keyshawn, late last week, had an opportunity to sit down with Baker Mayfield. You'll see the interview tonight on ESPN's Monday Night Countdown before the Ravens take on the Browns. And before Key gets into the interview, listen to the absurdly high ceiling both Mike Greenberg and especially Rex Ryan think the Browns and Baker can have, especially if they can get Bounced with a win tonight. To be 9-3 and three and to be on your way to making the playoffs is in and of itself an accomplishment. Well, if they get this Baker Mayfield, shoot, they can win it all. Mm. So last year, Baker, man, I was with you up in San Francisco. We had a chance to catch up a little bit and things were not going well, so to speak. But now you are one game away from a 10-win season something that the Browns, as you know, hadn't done since 2007. What has changed? It's a cultural thing. I think the guys that we've brought in have been the right moves. It's been something that uh, our GM, Andrew Berry, and Kevin Stefanski have been on the same page the whole time. And they did such a good job of saying, here's our identity, here's what we're going to be about, and they haven't wavered from that. Best play I've seen you make as a pro was last week against Tennessee. You went through your progressions and your reads, and when you set your feet, you changed your shoulders. In the launch point, you hit Landry in the back of the end zone. I was like, now he gets it. And that's what I've been trying to get to. Uh, so to, to hear you say that, that's, that's what I really want to get to is, yeah, like go through my reads like I'm saying, yes, no, 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 get the ball out, get the ball down. Odell Beckham Jr. looks like he's down on the ground. He's injured right now. Breaking news, Odell Beckham Jr. done for the season. There's a lot of people out there that feel like not only are you playing better as a quarterback, but the team is better without OBJ. I don't feel that way. What do you say to those critics? I hate it for Odell because I love the guy and he he truly works his ass off. And we didn't have an offseason to get into this system and we were getting better around the time that he got hurt. And so it was really unfortunate timing. You having fun in post-game press conferences. What's up with that? Uh, just a little mix-up of 
you know, references, some different stuff. Stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. Yeah, like, oh no, that's just every fighter's role. There's a uh, there's a thing going on in the QB room to have to uh, to slide in a certain quote, or there's a fine that I have to pay. I think Miles took the approach of you know real G's moving silence like lasagna. It has to work with the question. I can't just you know, straight up say it. What's different about you now as opposed to last year? Um, whenever I'm about to do something, I think would an idiot do that? And if they would, then I don't do that. Man, I, I appreciate it, and uh, go get that W is really all I can say. You passed the quiz against Tennessee. Now it's the test against Baltimore. Every week after this is a test. <laughs> Indeed. So I guess you could say uh, either that's a wrap, or every time Baker goes to the office, it looks like things are working out well for him. Let's bring in Tony Rizzo, ESPN 850 Cleveland, the host the co-host of the Really Big Show alongside Aaron Goldhammer weekdays from 9 to 1. Again, the entirety of Key's chat with Baker tonight on ESPN's Monday Night Countdown that'll whet your appetite, get you ready for Baltimore and Cleveland. Tony, you just heard a snippet from Key's conversation with Baker. What's your takeaway? Well, I think Baker said everything we believe here in Cleveland. Uh, number one, Guys, last year was tough on Baker. You know, the 6-10 and 10 and the big flop with all the – there were people betting the Browns to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, the whole Freddie Kitchens thing didn't work out. He had to come in with a new attitude. He had to work on footwork. He had a lot of work to do. You're seeing, finally, he's starting to get it. It's his third offensive system in three years. And 12 weeks in, he looks like a different quarterback. Tony, is this the biggest game – tonight in Baker's entire career? Uh, They all are moving forward, Key. I feel like, um, yes, it is, because if the Browns get to 10 wins, it'll be hard to keep them out of the playoffs. There's also a a, a mental aspect to this game. You know, the Browns need to beat the Steelers and Ravens, who have been the best teams in this division. If you want to come up and be one of the best teams in the AFC, you got to beat the teams in your division. Now, the Browns are a much different team than they were in week one when they got clobbered in Baltimore. So I expect them to be ready tonight. And uh, they've taken on the challenge every week. Kevin Stefanski's mantra of 1-0, and the team is bought into. So in the past, the Browns teams have looked ahead or behind. But this version of the Browns only looks at the game at hand. And we expect them to be in it tonight for sure. What's the what's the talk like in Cleveland around this Monday night matchup against the Ravens amongst the Cleveland Brown fans? Well, Browns fans are going crazy. You know, there's a whole group of Browns fans, 35 and under, that have never seen this team in the playoffs, and they're all very excited. The problem is, guys, we're only allowed 12,000 in the ball yard tonight, which, you know, kind of dampers things. There's also a curfew in Cleveland from 10 to 5 a.m., so the bar's have to close down because otherwise, man, the city would be rocking tonight. Tony, if Baker continues to play well, how will this impact his future with the Browns? Well, I think the Browns are going to pick up his fifth-year option. I I think they're pretty confident that that's going to happen. And I think they want to get a look at him, guys, for two years. They want to see him this year. They'll pick up his option. He'll be here next year. And then if the Browns go to the playoffs in successive years, I think you'd see Baker get that contract. He's playing better than he ever has right now. What the Browns want to see is, can he keep it up? Can he be consistent? He's shown flashes here or there. Now, he had a couple weather games where he wasn't really able to do that because of the circumstances. But 
lately he's been playing great. And I think, uh, as uh, Alex Van Pelt, the OC, said, I think the arrow's pointing up. All right, Tony, let's switch gears for one second to some baseball. The Cleveland Baseball Club is expected to make a huge announcement today that the team will no longer go by the Indians. What was your reaction when you saw the news last night? Well, I wasn't surprised. This has been something that's been talked about for a while. It's been rumored to happen. Guys, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think much like uh, the Washington football team, the Indians will drop their nickname, but they'll wait a year to decide what the new nickname will be. I'm sure there are a lot of opinions here in Cleveland as what it should be. Maybe we call them the Cleveland Keys. <laughs> oh. Hey, let me ask you this, Tony. How do you think the fan base will react to today uh, with the really big show moving to 9 Eastern? Well, I think there'll be some people disappointed uh, losing the old logo. They were disappointed. There were some people disappointed when they took away Chief Wahoo. But, guys, the times are changing, and, you know, we have so many more problems in society today, the nickname of a sports team is kind of silly when you think about it. I think everybody here will roll with it eventually. And, and I applaud the Indians for doing this, getting out in front of it uh, before you know somebody came down and said they had to do it. The Dolan ownership had talked about this for a while, and I think people will be excited about it. All I know is in Monday Night Football tonight, we got the Ravens in Cleveland. That's what everybody's going to be talking about. Tony, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It doesn't feel like a true Monday because, like you said, the bars are closed. You won't get the full impact of it all. But 10 wins is 10 wins no matter how you get it. Have a great show today. Plenty to talk about, both serious and light banter. Thanks very much. Guys, come with the Tony Romo for clowns and all the bozos. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. He had to get one in there just the way Baker did. One thing I want to mention on the Cleveland name change, it would be after 105 years and fellas, it's one of those situations where Tony said it. You hear it from the Washington football team. They waited. The Indians may have to wait as well. There's so much that goes into a name change. Uh, you got spring training around the corner. You've got business, marketing, advertising, merchandise. There's so many things that would have to be stopped on a dime, assembly-wise, creation-wise, for this to happen. But the one interesting note about this, fellas, and you may not realize this because there's been so much attention in and around the Washington football team, the Atlanta Braves who have dealt with this forever, the Chicago Blackhawks, all these sorts of teams. With the Cleveland Indians, there is an aspect of this has been a big story that's been percolating there for a long, long time. When you see protests out in front of the Washington football team, that's something the media covers extensively. You can't get away from it. But this has been something that every opening day, In Cleveland, there have been protesters outside of the stadium for a long, long time. And I will tell you, from people that have been there and have watched the interaction between Native American groups and some fans, some fans are viscerally opposed to this move. And you see it all the time on opening day. There's a lot of culture, history, whatever you want to call it, on both sides of this issue But the Indians, who have not won the World Series since 1948, soon enough apparently will not be known as the Cleveland Indians. There's a historical aspect for the word spiders. That's very big. That's perhaps an early indication of what it might be. But we'll see when the fans weigh in with both the Washington football team and the Cleveland Indians. Again, other franchises that have been pressured, like the Blackhawks in the National Hockey League, and the Atlanta Braves, particularly in baseball, still unmoved. They are going to be Zubin? status quo. Go ahead, Jay. All, all I was going to say is I think it's really important that you have to include the fans for situations like this. I've been talking to Jason Wright about this. 
who is the president of the Washington football team, they're trying to do the same thing. I think crowdsourcing is the correct way to go about doing this so the fans feel like they have a say in what represents their town and their city. No question. Give them a little bit of ownership. Make them feel like they're a part of it. After all, if those fans, back in the old days when fans were coming into games, if those fans weren't coming through those turnstiles or watching on TV, the team wouldn't nearly be as successful as it is. So even though they are just fans, quote-unquote just fans, they have been in some ways as integral and as instrumental to the success of the Cleveland Indians or any team you want to talk about. So you're right. Them having that say could go a long way. But Spiders is out there. That's an early, early indication about what it might be paying homage to an old school iteration of the Indians. On the way, we talked about Alabama just wiping the floor with Arkansas. Their biggest rival wiped the floor with their head coach and they're starting over again. What does the voice of the South, Paul Feinbaum, think about it? We'll ask him. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. It's easy. It's Auburn. It's the SEC. Have you seen Auburn's leadership over the last 20 years? Paul Feinbaum brought to you by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. We're going to get hit with a huge snowstorm here in the New York area on Wednesday. And down south, apparently, they might be feeling the freeze as well. For more on that, let's bring in Paul Feinbaum, the host of the Paul Feinbaum Show, 3 to 7 Eastern, every day on the SEC Network. Paul, first things first, what did you make to Auburn axing Gus? Zubin, you understand the South and you understand the SEC, and within the borders of the SEC, it was not a big surprise. I realize around the country people are in shock, but this has been building for about four years. Uh, every, every December, there's this uh, conversation about getting rid of Gus Malzahn. The difference this time is it was expensive. It's going to, co- it's going to cost Auburn a mere $21.5 million to pay him <laughs> off. And besides, he, ha- he never had a losing record. The school was never put on probation. Uh, he won his last game. This is not like you lost your last game 49 to nothing like the previous Auburn coach who got fired two years after a national championship. It's simply Auburn. What else can I say, Zubin? When you look at it, Paul, what are you hearing about Hugh Freeze 
in the SEC trying to kind of keep him out of the mix, even though he wants to get back into the SEC? Yeah, uh, thing you know, it, it's really sad. You fire uh, a successful coach, and you, there should be a mourning period, but there isn't. It's immediately uh, the, the the conversation turns to who will be next, and Hugh Freeze uh, is at the top of that list with one other person. I'll, I'll get to the other person in a minute, Keyshawn. Hugh Freeze uh, is eligible to coach. Uh, you know, even though most of us uh, remember that he, he got fired a couple of years ago over. Uh, a rather uh, untoward situation. His real issues are the NCAA probation that, that hit Auburn. Uh, he was somewhat kept out of the league for a couple of years while Auburn, excuse me, uh, at Ole Miss, while Ole Miss served a two-year uh, bowl ban. But that's been lifted now. He could come back. Uh, he may not be welcomed by everyone, but I, I do think uh, he, he's, he's a serious contender. The name to keep your eye on, though, Keyshawn, is Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Uh, some are saying, like, how in the world do you, you come up with Mario Cristobal, who, took, uh, who won a Rose Bowl last year uh, at, at, at Oregon? He spent a number of years on guess whose staff? Nick Saban's staff. He, he, he was highly respected. He was, he was a great recruiter. Uh, some people in Tuscaloosa tell me that he's, he's one of the very best, if not the best recruiter that, that Saban has had. And, uh, you know, he, he's a, you know, somewhat of an old-fashioned, hard-nosed football coach. Uh, that would uh, fit in well uh, in the SEC. Now, there are other names out there. Billy Napier, uh, of course, his name has been mentioned. Sarkeesian from uh, the former SC coach. But uh, Hugh Freeze and Cristobal are the names right now that are getting the most attention. I was going to ask you about Steve Sarkeesian because it seems like to me that would be a guy that I would target because I'm taking something away from my arch rival. I think that's a good point. Um, Steve Sarkeesian uh, stock is exploding right now. Uh, It's like uh, going back uh, to the late 90s. Steve Sarkeesian is is like an Internet bubble stock uh, where where, it it comes out at an IPO. I'm talking to Jay Jay Will here, not you, Key. It comes out (laughs) at about 10 and it goes to 150 uh, in, in, in three in three weeks. Um, I mean, he has put he has put together uh, one of the greatest offenses I have ever seen. And I thought I think I said that a year ago about what we saw with uh, Joe Brady uh, and Joe Burrow at LSU. But but this Alabama offense uh, under Sark is phenomenal. Uh, There there are three legitimate Heisman uh, candidates in the backfield. And and, and, he is he deserves a lot of that credit. So I think he will get offers. He, He turned down Colorado last year. Uh, he's, he's turned his nose at other opportunities, but uh, how intriguing would that be to hire uh, Nick Saban's top assistant? Paul, that sounds like one heck of an IPO to me. Um, you know, hearing Greg Sankey's comments the other day that the ACC protected Clemson and Notre Dame's playoffs hosts by canceling their games this weekend, what do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in deference to those comments, uh, I, I bet – I bet in, in, in hindsight, uh, Florida wishes it had not played Saturday night. Um, the, the Gators, uh, all, all the Gators needed to do was beat a, a pedestrian LSU team, uh, which everyone has knocked off this year, and then, and then somehow pull the upset of the year and beat Alabama, and they're in the playoffs, and now they're, they're gone. So uh, you can cut it both ways. Uh, I, what the commissioner, I think, was trying to say is, listen, we, we, we signed on for a 10-game season and we intend to fulfill that. If, if all the games go off as, as scheduled, Jay Will, on Saturday, 
the SEC will have completed uh, every single game but one. The only game that was uh, that will not have been played was was Ole Miss and Texas A&M, which was supposed to be played last week. That's a pretty remarkable uh, number. And, and and listen, they had some wiggle room in there, unlike the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they had two bye weeks, and then they added. Uh, this past weekend, and then they'll be playing on the on the weekend of the SEC championship game. But yeah, it, it, I don't think it's going to make any difference. I mean, it it cost Florida. I don't think Florida was probably going to beat Alabama anyway. Um, and I, I frankly think Trevor Lawrence would have benefited by playing last Saturday when Mac Jones, you know, had a good game, but not the game of the century uh, because they were they were running the ball a lot. And, and Kyle Trask, uh, you know, had a subpar game and a loss. So. Uh, I mean, Dabo can talk all he wants, and, and, and no one will ever stop Dabo Sweeney uh, from talking. I mean, he's great at that. But, but, but Trevor Lawrence may have been the biggest loser last Saturday. Paul, don't think I didn't hear that slide comment. I just let it slide. I didn't even want to get into it. But I want to ask you about the SEC well, versus— I mean, Hey, Keyshawn, hold on a second. Hold, hold, let me ask you a question. I mean, I just flipped on my TV a minute ago. I mean, are you— are, uh, are you, are you, I mean, where are you? Are you in the wine cellar? I mean, I, I don't even own a bottle of wine, and you, and you have your own wine cellar? You can't hide money, Paul. You can't hide money now. I, I am not with Tubin at the seaport. I am at home in the basement, and, you know, that's where they put me. What do you want me to do? But let me ask you I mean, about I this. Am, I am literally doing – okay, go ahead. It's not me. It's the producers. It's not me. I'm just doing what they're asking me to do. Let me ask you this, though, Paul. Uh, what's more likely to happen, the SEC getting three teams into the Final Four or USC making it? Uh, USC making it, uh, believe it or not. Uh, you know, wow. SC has been the cardiac kids all year, and you know, they won another game. And, and quite, I mean, they're not that far removed. I mean, there is a scenario. Uh, it's, an, it's somewhat unlikely but uh, the SEC will not get three teams in. I mean, the SEC has a, has a shot at getting Texas A&M in if, if there's a little bit of chaos uh, this weekend. But, but SC has, I mean, for a coach, hey, by the way, for a coach that's been fired about 10 times over the last three years, uh, I'll give Coach Helton credit for uh, so not only surviving, but I mean, the, the real question I have for you, Key, though, is uh, what good is this Pac-12 championship game going to do? I mean, SC's won the league. Uh, I mean, they should already uh, – I mean, I, I realize another game will help them in the uh, quote-unquote eye test of the committee, but they, they don't have much else to prove. Well, I think I think it, it, you said it. It will uh, – eye test. I think if you – I don't know who they're going to play, if it's going to be Washington, depending on the COVID situation, or Oregon. If they run away with it, then it probably opens up the door for them to be able to say, okay, this team is better than what we thought. I agree, and you know, if it comes down, I mean, let's let's get you know, give us an. I mean, listen, here's the likeliest scenario. I mean, if Notre Dame if Notre Dame beats Clemson, then that that opens the door for for SC to be considered against Texas A and M. And you know, Texas A and M uh, has a, has a game Saturday. Texas A and M right now is probably better positioned than SC, but but a conference championship does matter. And if you're arguing the two, A&M did lose uh, at Alabama, which is there, there's no crime there, but it, it still makes uh, the argument a little more difficult. From a, from a national standpoint, the idea of, of SC, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Alabama, I mean, it's, it's hard to, uh, Zubin can relate, it's hard to find four bluer bloods than that. 
to put in the college football playoff. I mean, that's something you get a, uh, on, an, on, a, on, a, on a game uh, if you're just uh, inventing, okay, this is the first college football playoff, and, and how, how do we get the most eyeballs? That's yeah. a great point. We should mention, take a picture of the latest Associated Press poll, and if you're watching or listening down there in Conway, South Carolina, posterize it for posterity. Coastal Carolina, the team's right behind Coastal Carolina in this week's Associated Press rankings, Florida, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, SC. Paul, Georgia, Florida, <laughs> Oklahoma, SC, all looking up at the Chanticleers. We got 30 seconds. What do you think about that? No, it, it is the story of the year in, in college football. And for all those who said uh, we shouldn't have done it, too many, too much trouble, uh, a lot of risk. I, and I agree, it, it, has been a, it has been a slog to the finish, but uh, Coastal Carolina deserves uh, uh, the college football poster child of the year. I mean, it, it's just an incredible story, Zubin. And uh, I... I, I I can't, uh, I can't salute them enough. You got it. No doubt. Grayson McCall has answered the call. There is no doubt about it. We'll see you this afternoon. I'm always tuned in at 3 Eastern on the SEC Network or anywhere you go with the ESPN app. Paul, thank you so much. Thanks, oh, Paul. shiny hit. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. See you soon. Thank you. And, Key, we should mention all systems go right now. Obviously, things are touch and go. Washington, USC, Friday night, 8 mm. Eastern, to decide the champion of the pac 12. Coastal Carolina, as Paul just mentioned, has been more driven all season. More driven brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Those four teams looking up at the Chanticleers. Yeah, we getting on. in, Jay. Don't hate. <laughs> I, there's been no hate. There's been no hate. No, you've been hating, though, the whole time. We got receipts. Speaking of hate, plenty of people have been, for whatever reason, hating on KD for the better part of the year and a half. He announced his return last night. We'll hear from KD after his much-awaited return to the court and the biggest difference maker for, the, for another New York team looking to round the corner. That's next. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Subin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's start in NYC. In fact, we'll keep it there on A to Z. The Mets have hired a new general manager. He's Jared Porter. He comes over from the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's a Theo Epstein disciple who said of Epstein working under him, it was a master class in baseball operations. He's been around a lot of winning something the Mets haven't had a lot of lately. So that's the new man in charge, the general manager, Jared Porter, reporting to team president 
Sandy Alderson. So from Queens, we head over to Brooklyn. Kevin Durant scoring 15 points in his preseason debut and his long-awaited return to the basketball court. 15 points, three boards, three dimes in 24 minutes. Remember, he had an Achilles injury back in June of last year and makes his return to the floor. The NBA's regular season begins in eight days. Durant and the Nets will host his old team, the Warriors. Before we get to that matchup, KD on last night. Yeah, it felt great, you know, to be back in a routine and get back on the floor and feel like a player again, you know. I felt great. You know, everybody's texting, calling, asking me how I'm feeling, and I can't wait to that so I can get back into the swing of things. I just feel like a, a one of the guys again, you know. So it was a good first step. Jay, what do you make of this much-awaited return? After 552 days off of not seeing Kevin Durant, it was incredible to see him back on the court just – getting to where he wanted to go on the court, uh, really showing you he still has his athletic ability, but he doesn't need to be the fastest or strongest guy on the court because of the gracefulness that comes along with his skill set. He is one of the most skillful players I think the game has ever seen, and I, I think that we're going to be reminded pretty quickly about how talented maybe one of the most gifted scorers the game has ever seen as well, up there with the tears of Michael Jordan and company. Didn't miss a beat, Zubin. He didn't miss a beat. Looked like Kevin Durant that I last saw when he was healthy with Golden State. That's what I that's what I took away from it. Kyrie Irving had 18 points as well. So, fellas, let's just set the expectations. Eight days from now, as I mentioned, the first basket of the season, the NBA 75th season, will either be scored by the Warriors or the Nets. I guess it would be fitting if Durant scored that first two or three. And then later that night, Keys Lakers will take on the Clippers. Jay, expectation-wise, I think we all expect the Lakers to be, as Key's <laughs> revved up, ready to go, the overwhelming favorite yes. in the West, as you said. They have distanced themselves from everybody this particular offseason. Expectations for Brooklyn, though, are what? I, I think to get to an NBA championship, barring an injury to Kevin Durant or barring injuries in general, the, the question you have about the Nets is defensively, when it comes time to lock down, who are the lockdown defenders? But when you look at the East, uh, you have to have them favored. Uh, Boston's a really good basketball team. We'll obviously see Jason Tatum and company continue to grow. Uh, Milwaukee will be there. Toronto is still a really good basketball team. But at the end of the day, Miami will still be there, even though I think it's a little bit of an aberration with them getting to the NBA Finals throughout the bubble, but they still will compete each and every game. But uh, make no doubt about it, it is Brooklyn's to lose this year in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it, it, it is Brooklyn's to lose. I think, I, you know, for me, Jay, I, I don't want to put them all the way in the championship just yet. I think it would be a, 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 based on Kevin and Kyrie's coming off injuries, if they got to the Eastern Conference Final, then we just go from there. Because, you know, all these things are, man, whether it's Boston, we don't know. This James Harden news is on the hour, right? We may look up by the time we're off the show, he may be dealt to Philadelphia or he may be dealt to Milwaukee. Who knows what happens in that situation? So I would just sit back and enjoy the ride. I think if Brooklyn can make it to the Eastern Conference Final and just go from there, I think we should be able to appreciate that and enjoy it. And, fellas, we should also mention there's some reporting this morning from Ramona Shelburne and Woj. Key to your point that eight days before the start of the NBA season, the Rockets made those big moves, got themselves John Wall, but... James Harden remains unfazed. He wants to be dealt. It could be Philly. It could be Brooklyn. 
Jay, what do you think happens here over the course of the next eight days as you got a couple of different franchises, certainly the Rockets and the team he goes to, it's going to be foundational change when this happens. I'd like to say if and when, but you fellas have told me when dudes no. don't want to be there, they ain't going to be there. What do you think? It's going to happen. It depends on what kind of assets can Raphael Stone and company get in return for James Harden. And the reality is that they may not get everything they may be able to, they may want, uh, but you're going to come to a head eventually where you have to sit there and weigh the pros and cons and say, does it make sense for me to keep a player here who does not want to be here? Now, I think James Harden is going to do his part. I think once he gets through the six uh, negative COVID tests, crazy that he has to go through six, but six considering coming from Atlanta, going to Vegas, hanging out the way he did, um, I, I think he will continue to do his part, but He's made it known. He does not want to be in Houston. And at the end of the day, I think Houston will do everything in his power to make sure they get the best return for value for James Harden when they let him go. Yeah, and, and, and they, they have to do that. Raphael Stone certainly has to do it. There's no question about it. But I think whenever a player steps out and he makes it known to the world that he does not want to be there, that asset becomes devalued, no matter what anyone says. And yes, James Harden is going to try and be a professional. There's no question about it because that's what he wants to do. But it's hard as a coach and a first-time head coach, mind you, to be able to coach a team when a guy's coming in the building not happy, not smiling every single day. It could affect this young head coach and his team, and that's certainly not the way you want to start things. No, certainly not. you got a brand-new GM. you got a brand-new head coach. You've got the NBA's longest active current playoff streak believe it or not. But all the guys that made that happen, like Daryl Morey and James Harden, apparently, are about to be out the door. Still to come. Hurt shined. So why won't Peterson commit to him? Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Subin, the podcast. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.